This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Good evening. Thank you. Good to see you here tonight. Pray blessings over you, health over you, peace over you. You know, the Bible says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of the Lord. So we pray the wisdom of God over you. But bless you. I'm glad to see you. You saw some of the announcements again on um, Sunday the 12th, I believe that is, is when we're having our church anniversary. So we welcome all of you that. You can begin to plan. Again, my, my brother will speak. Uh, I got born again under my brother. He led me to the Lord. So... Those things are significant in my life, so make plans for that. Also, we are in need of ones to go through partnership class. Our desire is to open up the children's little guy's hallway, but part of our issue is we just are lacking in volunteers right now because some aren't coming back yet. So I welcome you to step forward in that. And then I believe the date will be on July 19th, which is a Sunday. We're going to start a new series called The Blessing. And part of the blessing is coming off of that song our kids just sang. That's Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 through 14. And so I want to talk about generational blessings in some. So you'll see that highlighted in the upcoming weeks. It's going to be good. The blessing of the Lord. So if you've got your Bible tonight, go with me to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And this is going to pertain on our tithes and offerings. If we were to read 1 Timothy 6, verses 1 through 10, you would begin to pick up real quick that the Apostle Paul was talking about money in this. Actually, uh, in verse 10, he says, the love of money is the root of all evil. Money's not the root of all evil. He said the love of money. But I want to dive into to verse number 6. 1 Timothy 6, verse 6. And it says, now godliness. One of the best, best definitions I can give you for godliness is putting God first in your priorities. The godliness, he's first place in all I say and all I do. And so when I read it this way, now putting God first in my, in my priorities with contentment. The word contentment is rooted in security. So when I'm content with the things of God, there becomes a security on me. And so he says, now the godliness with contentment is a great gain. So the opposite of contentment is discontentment. And when I become discontented, I, I become a, a person that literally craves or I, I'm a prisoner to the things I crave. So when I look at this, this right here, contentment is God takes care of all my necessities. You know what my necessities are? Food, clothing, and shelter. Now this may be a big revelation to some of you tonight. A cell phone is not a necessity. Yes, it is, but no. No. <laughs> TV is not a necessity. Getting my nails done is not a necessity. Yo, pastor, no. <laughs> no, I'm just sewing right here that, see, oftentimes 
because this thing called instant gratification, and when I live with instant gratification, I am stealing my future is what happens. I jump out and I start doing things that I shouldn't do. And so how many of you have in here have ever had more month than money? <laughs> that is not fun. So when I begin to get my priorities right, and the very first thing I do is I honor God. I'm telling godliness with contentment. Something begins to happen. So let's pray. Father God, we love you again tonight. We thank you. Oh, Lord, that because our priorities are right with you, it brings a contentment just to know the faithfulness of our God. And Father God, we're honored to call you Jehovah Jireh tonight, the God who provides, that you're El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. And we thank you, Father God, that you supply all our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the goodness of God. Since you got your Bible, go with me to the book of James, chapter number one. James chapter number one. I'm going to talk a little bit about some areas of faith tonight that I, I believe that God wants to really get on the inside of us. Is it possible for us to confess our faith but contradict our, our confession by our actions? In other words, I can say one thing, but I can act another way. And so you'll begin to see how the Word of God begins to deal with this. I, I really believe that a lot of times our blessings are lost one inch below our nose by our tongue. Many times we begin to pray and, and even the song we sang, we're going to stand on your promise. Remember the old hymn, Standing on the Promises of God? He said in Ephesians 6, when you've done all you know to do, then just stand. Well, you know what that literally means? Just stand on the promises. Stand. But a lot of times, we're standing on the promises, and God is beginning to move in our life. And, and right before it hits the midnight hour, we say, and this stuff's just not working. God's not moving on my behalf. I don't. And so again, allow your actions to correspond even with what you're confessing. James chapter 1, uh, look at verse 21. James 1, 21. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness or evil and overflow or abundance of wickedness. You know what he's just telling me? I, I can't live however I want to live. Lay aside, get, get rid of those things. And receive with meekness. The word meekness is one of the fruit of the spirit that you would find in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Meekness is humility. And so I receive with meekness, I, I receive with humility. Now listen to his wordings here. The implanted word which is able to save your souls. Woo, the implanted word. In other words, I, I got to get the word implanted in my heart. And when I begin to get the word planted in my heart, it'll change the landscape of your life. And so he's challenging, he said, man, I, it's almost like Paul saying, 
get, get this out of your life and get this into your life. And it's Paul saying, and this is my paraphrase, Paul said, I, I, I double dog dare you. Get, get the implanted word of God in you now. That dates me a little bit, man. When I was a kid and someone said, I dare you, man, you'd look at them. But when they said, I double dog dare you, oh my, that, it's on. It's on, we're doing it, okay? And so I sense him saying, come on now, come on. Get, get a hold of the word. Verse 22. But be doers of the word. You must do the word. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. My actions have got to coincide with what the word of God says. I must be a doer of the word and not a hearer. Why is that so important? Because he said, if I am a doer, if I'm not a doer of word, I just hear the word of God, then I deceive myself. I delude myself. I fool myself. So literally, you must put into action the word of God. My behaviors and my attitude. Now, I will tell you, it's good to listen to the word. It's good to hear the word of God. It's not going to benefit you until you start doing it. So the doing of the word here is to be obedient. To obey the word is to do the word. So I can hear the scriptures. I, I, I can hear, uh, just for an illustration, 1 John 1, 9 says that if I'll confess my sin, God is faithful and just to cleanse me and forgive me or forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So I can hear that. I, 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 could, I could look at Sammy right there and say, whoo, the Bible says I got to repent for my sin. And when I do, God will he'll, he'll forgive me and cleanse me. But that verse does me absolutely no good until I actually do it. Until I actually repent. And, and so this is what James is telling us here. Now, he goes into further detail in chapter 2. Turn to chapter 2 and look with me at verse number 14. James 2, 14. Now, I'm telling you, you may want to get your notes out or your pen out and begin to mark this. Because these are some of the areas of my life that really begin to move in me. So, to help you just a little bit with, with the way the Lord deals with me and things, you got to walk out the Word. It's powerful to talk the word, but it's also powerful to walk out the word. Verse number 14 in James 2. What does it profit or what is the use, my brethren, my brothers and sisters who are in Christ? So, with that statement, my brethren, he is addressing to us as born again children of God. If someone says he has faith, but does not have works, can faith save him? The implied answer to this is no. He says or he professes to have faith, but he has no works. The New Living says, don't show it by, he doesn't show it by his actions. The message says, he does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has faith? Hang in here with me, okay? Verse 15. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, 
And one of you says to them, depart or goodbye in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? What good does that do? We, we learn all the right things, but we never do anything with it. Verse 17. Thus also faith by itself, it, if it does not have works, is dead or is useless. Faith that does not involve action, deeds and actions to back it up, is phony. It's inoperative. One translation says, God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense. So there's got to be a verification of this is what he's talking about. Keep reading. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. I will display my faith by my obedience to the works as proof that I believe. Now, what he's talking about here, our works show the genuineness of what we profess. So when you see this, faith and works, it goes hand in hand like a a glove. Good works and good needs can never earn salvation, okay? It's not what we're talking about. I can never earn salvation by good works. Salvation is a gift. But here's the, the impl, impl, uh, what Paul implies on this, or James does, I mean. That if I really am born again, I really got saved, shouldn't there be a difference in my actions and my behaviors and my attitudes? Shouldn't there be a difference? And I know it's all a process. But one of the greatest ways you find out that you're born again is when people look at you and they say, what happened? I, I knew you this way. You know, uh, at, at my 30-year class reunion, which was quite a few years ago, I was sitting at a table and there was two girls that I'd grown up with all through the years. And one of them said, I, t- I told my husband I really need to sit with you and Shelly tonight. And I said, well, I'm glad you sat here. And she said, I've got to ask you, what happened? And I looked at her and I said, I got born again. I asked Jesus into my heart. And she said, I, I am so blessed by what you do. But she said, it really shocked me when you got up and gave the inv- invocation and you prayed tonight. And she said, It freaks me out that you're a pastor. And I said, kind of freaks me out too. (laughs) So again, this this is what he's talking about. And there may not be an overnight transformation, but I'm telling you, things begin to change in your life. Let me ask you this. If, If you hadn't got born again, how many of you, there's a good chance you would already be dead? And all the men raised their hand. <laughs> How many of you, if you wouldn't have got born again, you, you would be incarcerated probably for the rest of your life? There's no doubt the road I was on. Here's another good one for you. If I wouldn't have got born again, how many times would I have been married right now? <laughs> it would have been a list. 
I've been trading in on a new model every other year. And so again, I begin to look at all these things, and I think, man, thank God I'm born again. There's a change. Verse number 20. No, 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 verse 19. You believe that there is one God? You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Now, he's, he's making a point here. He said, you, you believe, there, you do good. That's a good thing. But he said, even the demons believe there's a God. You know the problem with the demons? They believe there's a God. They know there's a God. They just don't obey him. They don't do the things he's asked them to do. They believe, it, all, it says not only do they believe, they tremble, they, they are in awesome fear of the Most High. Verse 20. But do you want to know, O foolish man? Now listen how he describes a foolish man. That faith without works, faith without uh, corresponding action is dead or useless. Now what a statement he makes. Faith that is divorced of good works or good deeds is phony and useless. Verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified, made acceptable to God by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Now this is an interesting passage right here. He says, was Abraham... Our father, was he, was he not declared righteous or was he not made acceptable by God by works? And then he gets over and says, when he offered his son Isaac. Now, I, I don't have time to go where this is at, but I'm going to paraphrase it for you because this is very important. If you were to go to Genesis chapter 22 and start in verse 1 and go through roughly uh, verse 14-ish, you would see this whole story. So God appears to Father Abraham. And he says to Abraham, he said, I want you to go to the hills of Moriah and offer your son Isaac as a sacrifice to me. Now, think about this just a second. What if God told you to do that? You know what a lot of our reaction would be? Let me pray about that one, God. Let me think about that one. Let, let me fast and pray on that one. But you know what the Bible says? Genesis 22, verse 3, he said, and Abraham rose early the next morning. And there's a nugget in there for us. He obeyed instantly. He, he didn't put it off. He didn't procrastinate. And oftentimes our tendency, and I say our tendency as human beings, is I, I know the more I put off the things that God has asked me to do, a lot of times I reason myself out of that. How many of you have ever done that? I can't, that can't be God. And so again, when he obeyed immediately, he, he smothered doubt and unbelief. 
He said, this is what God said, so this is what I'm going to do. So he packs up the mules, and he's off to the hills of Moriah, which basically is Jerusalem, where he's going. And he gets to the hills of Moriah. He erects an altar. He bound his son Isaac, and he puts him on the altar. He takes out a knife, and he's in this motion right here, getting ready to sacrifice his son. And the angel of the Lord interrupts and says, stop. For I know that you fear me. I know that you fear me. How did he know he feared him? Because of his faith. How was his faith expressed or displayed? It was expressed and displayed in his action. Now, nowhere in the Bible will God want us to sacrifice children. But you know what it was? It was a test to see, will he obey me at one of the highest costs there is? So this is why this passage comes in right here to play. He's saying the reason he's called Father Abraham, not just for the fun of it. This was a man of faith. This was a man of action. And I go back and I look to his, at his life. If you were to look in Genesis 12, he said to me, he said, Abe, I want to bless you. I want to multiply. I want to make your name great. I want to bless you to be a blessing. But you've got to leave your country. You've got to leave your father, and you've got to leave your father's house. Now, you know what? He could have said, whoa, I received those blessings and never have done anything. But faith without corresponding actions. And so you know what he did? He left. He did it. Same chapter here, verse 22. Do you see that faith was working together? It was cooperating. It was collaborating with his works. And by works, faith was made perfect or complete. So active obedience, it, it demonstrates, man, my faith is there, Lord. My faith is there. Now, I'm going to get into this next week. I don't have time this week. But I'm going to go, and you can study this. This is uh, Mark chapter 5, starting in verse about 30. Back up. It's going to end in verse 34, about 26 to 34. It's a passage of the woman with the issue of blood. She heard about Jesus, that Jesus healed. And she said out of her mouth, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made well. You know what she did? She acted on that. She did it. And you know what the Lord Jesus says? Mark 5, 34, he said, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. So I go back in that, and we're going to hit it next week. The reason I'm giving it, you, you can look it up. You can begin to meditate on it. Daughter, thy faith has made you whole. You go back and look. What was the, 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 the display of her faith? And so this is what he's talking about. Verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God. Abraham believed God. Okay, when I looked at that right there and I said, Abraham believed God, so did the demons in verse 19. So what separated Abraham when it said, so Abraham believed God? He was set right with God, 
And it came down to his actions. Many of you probably have heard or you watched Joel Osteen on TV some. He had a great father, John Osteen, who went home to be at the Lord years ago. Joel's mama, his name is Dodie Osteen. And so years ago, Dodie was diagnosed with cancer. And she allowed the leaders of their church to anoint her with oil. They laid hands on her and they prayed the prayer, they prayed the prayer of faith over James 5. And they said, by the stripes of Jesus, we'll be, we believe you're whole. When Joel was still a young man, he went home one day. And he opened the door. And there his mama was, vacuuming the floor and cleaning the house. And he said, Mom, you shouldn't be doing that as a sick woman. And she said, I'm not a sick woman. I'm a healed woman. And a healed woman still does the things she's supposed to do. And so again, a lot of people would say, wow, I don't know that that's right what she did. She's still alive to this day. Still alive. And so again, when we, when we begin to build our faith on these areas. Now I didn't say this when we were in James 1.22. James 1.22 is cross-referenced into Matthew 7. I want you to go to Matthew 7. And let, let's let Jesus teach us tonight, okay? Let, let the Word of God teach you. Not, not man-made stuff. Let, let the Word of God teach you. Matthew chapter 7. And I'm, I'm going to jump into verse 21 first, and then we're going to skip. Matthew 7, 21. And you'll notice this whole passage is red-letter words. This is Jesus he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. This wasn't us. This is Jesus. But he who does, he who does the doer of the word will, the will of my Father in heaven, those who persist in doing my Father's will. So Jesus right here is getting over to a thing called self-deception that's based merely on a verbal profession of lordship without obedience to the will of God. This person is self-deluded. I didn't say that, okay? Jesus is saying this to us. So you know what Jesus is saying? There's got to be a little walkie-walkie with your talkie-talkie. It's going to be interesting on that day when Jesus comes back. How many people would say, but Lord, but Lord. Hmm. Skip down with me to verse 24. Man, got quiet in this Episcopalian church. Verse 24. Therefore, whoever, whoever, whoever hears these sayings of mine and 
does them. Whoever hears and does, does what? Does my saying, puts them into practice, applies them. I, the Lord Jesus, will liken him to a wise man. Now, if I read this correctly, the Lord Jesus, he described a wise man as the man who hears the word of God and he does them. You want to be wise? Hear the word and obey it. Keep reading how he ends, verse 24. Who built his house upon the rock, an unshakable foundation. And the passage says, when, when the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. It withstood the storms of life. Why? Because I heard the word and I acted upon it. How many in this room right now are going through some form of a storm? Stand on the word, okay? Stand on the word. It's an unshakable foundation. Verse 26. But everyone who hears these saying of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man. Jesus' definition of a foolish man is one who hears the word but does not apply or act upon my saying. He will be like a foolish man. The Amplified actually uses the word stupid. Now my wife tells me, please don't say stupid with children in here, okay? They're going to go home and say stupid. Pastor Stormy said stupid, mama. So we just better say foolish. <laughs> Who built his house upon the sand. Think about the sand. It is a movable foundation. And the rains descended. The floods came and the winds blew and it beat on that house and it fell. And great and complete was its fall. Now, this is where James 1.22 takes us, to be doers of the word and not hearers only. So when I go back and I break this down, pay real close attention to this, okay? Both the wise and the foolish heard the word of God. Both of them. Every one of them. Both the wise and the foolish experienced similar circumstances. The rain, the flood, the wind, it beat on them. So this shows me again, just because you're a believer doesn't mean the storms aren't going to come. They're going to come. 
So when I look to what Jesus said, the only deciding factor for one to stand and one to fall was the one who hears and does, and the one who falls is the one who hears but doesn't do. And so this illustrates the absolute necessity of doing the will of God. That is what God has told us to do. And so right here, he gives us a great illustration. I got to be a doer of the work. I want to do the word of God. It's powerful to speak the word. It's powerful to meditate on the word. But if we were to go back to Joshua 1, he tells Joshua, he said, be strong and good courage. And then he said, speak the word, meditate on the word. And he said, ultimately, you must do the word. You must obey the word, and then you will walk in victory and good success, prosperity and good success. And so I I have to look at my life in this, and I think, okay, how am I doing with the word of God? Do do I step out and do I obey it? Do, Do I do what the word says? And so I begin to think about the Great Commission. I can talk about the Great Commission, but do I preach the word to every creature? (laughs) How about this one? He said, in my name, you'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Do I actually do that? Do I actually cast out devils in the name of Jesus? And so Jesus, he tells us everything we need to hear in his word. It just, do I believe it enough to obey it? Now, one of the greatest areas in this is in the area of tithing. Ooh, pastor, don't go there. You preachers always go there. Well, again, in this area, every one of us in this room want God to bless us. Every one of us. How many want God to bless you? And some of you got both hands up. You got all ten toes up. You got it. I'm, I want, I'm in, Pastor. But God says in Malachi 3, that you're cursed with a cursed. Okay? But he said, to those who honor me with the tithe, they bring their tithe in the storehouse, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out upon you a blessing. A blessing. I I like that word blessing. I like it. But he said, if you obey in that area. Now, I can take you back, years back in my life, and I would look at that, and I had to look at it this way. I am under a self-imposed blessing or a curse, not because of God's choice, but because of my choice. And so I had an older guy. Man, I'm telling you, this guy, he, he was incredible. I, I remember he would point his finger at me and he'd say, I don't care what you do throughout the week. When you get paid, the first thing you do is you tithe. And he would tell me that over and over and over and over. And I begin to look at this and I begin to read it. So I could go around. Do you know what I could do? I could go around and I could quote 
Malachi 3.10, I could say, man, Father God, I thank you that you're opening the windows of heaven upon me. You're pouring out blessing upon me. There will not be room enough for me to receive. You said you would rebuke the devourer for my sake and the fruit of my ground shall not return barren. I could say that all day. I could confess that all day. But until I put a little walkie-walkie, a little obedience, it didn't mean no good. It was useless. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching so good. So I begin to give you illustrations in my life. Think about this as a child. The Lord gets over on this in the parable with the vineyards. And he said, I told that son to go to work today. And he said, okay, I'll go. And he said, I told the other one to go to work. And he said, I'm not going. But ultimately, the one who said he was going to go, he didn't go. And the one who said he wasn't going to go, who, he went. So who was the blessing upon? Wow, Pastor, that's great. Why don't you stand up with me? So my prayer in all this is I come to a place where I make God's word my own. And I embrace it. And you know why it's so powerful? This is Jeremiah 1.12. God said, I watch over my word to perform it. You know what that means? He's looking to see who's going to be a doer of the word. He's looking. He's honest. I'm looking over my word to, to perform it, to put it into action. And the interesting thing about this, he didn't say, I'm I'm looking at people, their consequences. I'm I'm looking at people at their circumstances. I'm I'm looking. No, he didn't say that. He said, man, I'm looking over my word to perform it. No, you're in. Father God, we, we welcome your word tonight. Now, Lord, I pray a grace in here upon us. And Lord, we know that you save only by grace, that salvation is a gift from you. We thank you for that. But Lord, I pray right now that you stir up that first and foremost. We hear your word, but there becomes a desire in us unlike it to be doers of the word. Be doers of the word. If you want to act on those things, you know, I, I, I call raising my hands my antennas. If you, you, you desire that, just raise your hand. Father God, we raise hands. We raise these antennas and Lord, grace us to come onto your frequency in this area. Woo, Lord, put the tattoo of James 1.22 on our heart that we are doers of the word and not hearers only. Now, I pray your blessing in this room right now. I ask you to go to work within our hearts. And we give you glory and honor for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.